When God chose to have the first Christmas, it would be that he would send his son to this earth. That son would be a gift, a gift to all of us that are identified as sinners. And he would send us something that every single one of us would be able to receive, that every one of us would receive something that we really needed, that we would receive one thing in our life that money can't buy and death can't take away from us. And when it was all said and done in heaven, God sent his only begotten son and said to those of us that would listen, this is my gift to you. Now, the ball's in our court. We either accept that gift or we reject that gift. You know, after Christmas, a lot of people be taking their gifts back to the store. Don't want it, don't need it, didn't fit, can't use it. You can't do that with the gift God has sent you. You do need it. And you can't afford it because it's F-R-E-E. Listen to me. You didn't have to buy one to get the next one free. Have you seen that promotion? But what you do is you get the free one. Absolutely free. It is eternal. It is priceless. It is desperately needed. And everybody can have one. You don't have to spend the night outside in the cold for three days because they moved it from the number seven to the number eight. And you want to make sure that you, if your credit card will hold it, move up. But God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. I want you to think with me from John chapter 10. I'm calling the message today, eternal life, accept it or reject it. I want to talk to you about the gift that God chose to give to all of us with the prayer that all of us would accept that gift and that none would reject it. The tragedy is that far more people have rejected the gift than have received the gift and accepted the gift. So I want you to listen as we talk about eternal life. And here's what I want you to think with me about. As I bring this message, the center of it is, if you were an old Baptist, you would call it uh, once saved, always saved. What this is about is that this gift is an eternal, everlasting gift. It cannot be taken away from you if you have this gift. You cannot pay for this gift. It has already been paid for. You cannot earn this gift. And the scripture is as is clear on this that I speak about today as any subject I can name in the Bible. So let's get started. John chapter 10, reading to you from verse 27. My sheep 
hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man be able to pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of the Father's hand. Is that clear, or do you need a theological degree? God says, I'm going to give you a gift. Something money can't buy, death can't take away from you. There is no way that it will not be needed in your life because except you receive it, you'll perish. But I want you to start everlasting life right now in the not sweet by and by, but in the nasty now and now. That while everybody else is struggling and going through the filth of this world, that you will be on a solid rock looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And you won't be taking it back. Now, you can reject the gift, but once having received the gift, you cannot take it back. I've never met anybody that wanted to be lost again, but if you ever want to, you can't be. It's an impossibility. You say, that doesn't make any sense to me, preacher. It's not supposed to. It's eternal truth. God's ways are higher than our ways. God has a love, and God loves you, and you can't do anything about it. You say, but you just don't know my life, how bad it's been. doesn't matter. He still loves you. The gift is still available to you. So I've got two questions. Question number one. Think about these. Is it possible for one who's acknowledged their sin, confessed their sins, repented of those sins, turned from them, and invited Jesus Christ to become their Lord and Savior to lose their gift of eternal life? That's question number one. Number two, can we do something in our lives that is so bad that it irritates and angers God so much that he will withdraw his grace gift of eternal salvation from you and from me, from us? That's the two questions that I want to speak to you about. At Christmas time, when you're out shopping, especially for yourself, you ask yourself the question, how long will it last? How long will it last? Whatever it is. When are they going to replace this with a better one? When is it going to go through the last washing and it comes out of the washing machine and it's not even able to get in the dryer? You know, how long will this gift last? The longer it lasts, the greater the value. You know, there's waterproof watches and there's water-resistant watches. The only difference is that a water-resistant watch will get wet. It just doesn't want to. <laughs> That's the difference. 
Now, if you come to the moment to where you say, you know what, I've got this gift, it's been offered to me. Now, the first thing you have to do is, do you, do, do you want it? Later, I want it. Not now. Not now. I'm a teenager. I'm a young adult. I'm a mover and a shaker. I'm on the cutting edge of culture. I'm in the, in the group. I hate these names like millennials and conservatives and all this labeling stuff. I don't like that stuff. You know, we just either alive or dead, saved or lost, and it's the end of story. We're human beings. Doesn't matter what year you were born, you are a sinner. Doesn't matter what year you were born, you're offered this gift. It is still there. Eternal life. Today, tomorrow, and forever. It's not sin resistant. It's sin proof. The blood of Jesus cleanses us, surrounds us, protects us. If we indeed have received this gift. Now, this subject that I'm preaching about, I understand, is greatly argued. It's even argued by theologians. It is argued by those that like to base their conclusions on reason. And the more intelligent you are, or the more reasonable you think you are, the more likely you are to want to take the other side. But yet, the Bible says very clearly, in all situations, I give eternal life. And no one can change that. It is eternal life. It's very difficult for me, and it's difficult for you to just love people unconditionally. I'm sorry, but I've been mad before at people. I, I have at times probably just blotted that person out of my life. That's not what God does. He loves you anyhow. You're not going to run him off. He is going to be drawing you and trying to save you and forgive you and cleanse you as long as you draw a breath. Doesn't matter what your attitude is. Doesn't matter what your behavior is. He keeps on covering our sin with his blood. If, if we have confessed that we need the gift, and have received the gift. You know, it's no wonder that the number one song seems to stay around. You know what it is, don't you? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. That's still the number one Christian song in the world. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that did what? Saved, Saved a what? Saved. A wretch like the preacher and those that hear him preach. Isn't God's grace amazing? Let me tell you something. If you knew you like you know, I mean, if you were God and knew you like you know you, would you forgive you? I mean, I find things I do, I can't even forgive myself. Much less you forgive me. But God says, I forgive you. I forgive you. I want you to listen carefully as I continue. And I'm going to reiterate it over and over again. I'm trying to make the point this morning 
that it is impossible, absolutely impossible, to lose your salvation if you ever get it. If you ever get it. Not your Christianity, not your church membership, not your do-good personality that you change to and you quit drinking and quit smoking and quit running around and quit doing all that. We're not talking about that kind of stuff. That's just symptoms of the problem. What we're talking about, either the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin or it doesn't cleanse of any sin. Either Jesus, God tells the, tr- the truth through the Holy Spirit that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and whoever comes to him and receives him will have eternal, everlasting life and will never perish. Either that is true or this Bible is a book of errors. I choose to believe it's exactly what the Bible says. The blood cleanses from all sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now, let me tell you what the problem with a lot of people are. They won't argue about whether they can lose it or not, and the, and the point and the truth is they never had it. You see, when you live this life of I did good, when I was a kid I did pretty good, then when I was a teenager I ran from it. When I got off to college I got into this and that and so forth and so on. But now I'm coming back, you know, and I came back and I got married and we had three kids and then we got a divorce and the kids ran off and all this kind of stuff. So here I am like this. I just can't believe that Jesus still loves me. He still loves you. But you do have reason to question were you ever saved to start with. What led you to make the decision not to bring your children up in church? What led you to make the decision that you were not going to read this Bible because you can't understand it? Children can understand this Bible. Why do you come to do those kind of things? But I go to church every Sunday. I tithe on the gross. I pray now you lay me down to sleep before I go to bed every night. I mean, if that's not a Christian, what is one? A Christian is a person that has died to the old life, been born again, lives a new life, and the blood of Jesus is what made that possible, and God lives in them. It's not signing a card. It's not being baptized. It's not just saying a prayer. It's committing a life which you verbalize. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. The gift I want for Christmas is eternal, everlasting life in order that I can be everything you want me to be. You can't lose what you never had. I'm going to take about two minutes to give you two big words because they can get boring real quick. There's two words. Number one is justification. Justification. Let Let me tell you what that is. Once I become by choice a child of God, having been drawn to Christ by the Holy Spirit, I stand before God justified, just as if I'd never sinned. When you are born again and the blood comes in, it's just as if you had never sinned before. You're washed in the blood. You have a brand new life. All of the disease of sin is gone. You get a bill of health, an eternal bill of health from the great physician that says, you, my child, will live forever. That word is justification. Remember the song, Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. 
just as I am, and we're justified. We come as we are, and we leave as he is, because he lives in us from that moment. The other word, you see, God, the reason you're justified and I'm justified is that God looks, through us, looks at us through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what filters out the sin. That's what God sees that we don't see. The blood of Jesus, the Bible says, cleanses from all sin. Now, the word sanctification is a process. Justification is a momentary experience. Sanctification, the other big word, is the process of becoming who God wants us to become. God wants to take us as we are, make us into what he wants us to be, and there is a process. We're moving in the direction of to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. That's all I ask is to be like him, and I'm going to be moving towards him. The sin nature never leaves us this side of the grave. There's not a person here that could not fall into sin in the right circumstances were set up in a matter of a thousandth of a second. You can make a bad decision. That temptation will be here to the day we die. And yet, the Lord says, but I'm in you. And the one that's in you is greater than the one that's in the world, Satan. That's where our strength comes from. That's, that's the reason we're able to say, no, I'm not going to come. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I don't think that way. That's him. That's God in us. If you judge salvation on how people behave, you're in trouble. I tell you, the best of us can embarrass God. You set up the right circumstances, and we can embarrass God. We've got to get back to the blood, the blood, the blood. Oh, by the way, in 80% of the churches today, you don't use that word anymore. You don't use that word. You don't use the word repent. Our young preachers are being taught you don't use the word repent. You don't use the word blood. You don't talk about sin because people don't want to hear that. But the blood of Jesus is what brings salvation to the world. What brings it to the world. So I'm going to give you some biblical facts. You go home, look at these, and then you can come back. We'll argue later. Number one, everybody can be saved if they respond to the Holy Spirit's drawing you to Jesus. Everybody, Adolf Hitler included, or the meanest guy you ever knew. I didn't say he was saved. I said he could have been saved if he would have confessed his sin, repented of his sin, and invited Jesus Christ to come into his life. That's a biblical fact. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the Scripture says, shall be what? Saved. We love to sing that song, saved, saved, saved. Saved by his glory. Saved by his power. Saved forever and forever and forever. Revelation twenty-two seventeen. 17. Right before the last word is written in the Bible. Revelation's last chapter, 22nd chapter. 
verse 17. Are you ready? And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Everybody. Heaven and hell is put at the feet of every human being. And the Father says, take your choice. The Holy Spirit says, come to Jesus. The devil says, you got plenty of time to do that. You only live once. You're only young once. You don't want to miss all the things that your generation is doing. I mean, they're just having all kinds of fun. You don't want to miss out on that, do you? You know what? When you start walking with Jesus, the things on earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. I don't know how old you are, but you got there sooner than you thought you would. And the older you get, the more birthdays you'll have. I've decided I've had four birthdays already this year. But everybody can be saved. Let me give you another biblical fact. All people are not going to be saved. All people are not going to be saved. And some are very definitely listening to me or are sitting here or watching or listening on the radio right now. And you're never going to be saved. Why? Because you're bad? No. Because you're stubborn. Because you really believe, you really believe that you're the first person that's ever been born that's going to live forever. And you're certainly not going to die suddenly because you're just young. No, it's appointed unto man once to die. And all people are not going to be saved. Matter of fact, the Bible says many will go into eternal damnation, but few will come to Jesus. So if you could identify yourself with a majority of your generation, I promise you you're not saved, if that's true. There will never be a majority. There will be a small minority. And every time in the Bible, few, 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 few. Many will go into eternal destruction, but few will accept that free gift. Can you imagine People that will spend money like they spend money on the junk of this world and won't accept the blood of Jesus as a gift card for eternity. There's no rationale to that. But Satan is wise enough because he's smarter than I am and he's smarter than you are and he can mess us up big time if we can't sing Jesus out to take our place. Matthew 25, 41. We're coming to the judgment here. Listen to what he says. Then shall he say, he, capital letters, the Lord shall say unto them on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's the judgment. That day will come to all of us that reject Jesus. That day will come. You know, you say, well, who are his angels? You ever read that? Prepared for the devil and his angels? You know who the devil's angels are? The devil's angels are those that the devil uses to get other people to sin. That's what angels do. God's angels brought you to him. The devil's angels draw you to the world. See, a lot of you have become 
the devil's angels right now. Now, you can get saved from that. A lot of you are being influenced by the devil's angels because they are beautiful. They are prosperous. They, they seem to just have the whole world under control. And the scripture says, you, let me read it again. Depart from me, you curse it into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, those that have led others into sin. God have mercy on us, any of us that try to lead people to self-destruct. God have mercy on us. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. But every one of us today have an opportunity to change that. Let me give you another biblical fact. Number three, most people will not be saved. I'll just say to you real quick, make this point very, very quick. If you're like most people you know, you need to get saved. If you're like the majority, you need to get saved. If you're one of those that every time the masses go, you find out what everybody's going to do and you're going to do it. You've never been saved. You don't run where the people run. You run where God is. Sometimes it's in the closet. You ever have a party in the closet by yourself? <laughs> kind of tough, wouldn't it? I haven't done that, but I can't see much fun in it, especially when you close the door and can't see anything. Matthew seven fourteen: Straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads to eternal life, and few there be that will find it. Wow. But you know what the good news is? That's the bad news. You know what the good news is? You can find it. You can be saved today. No, you're not in darkness. No, you're not without excuse. You can, this Christmas, receive a gift that money can't buy and can't be put on a credit card because it's all paid for and it'll never wear out. It's just up to you. Now, again, if you do like the overwhelming majority... I would say 95%. You will just listen to what I say to you today. You'll walk right out that door. You'll get in that car, and you'll go and live exactly like you lived yesterday and the years before. There won't one thing change other than I wish you'd hurry up and get through, preacher, because I'm beginning to get a little nervous. Listen carefully. Number four, not all people who think they're saved are saved. Biblical fact. You ready for the scripture? Matthew 7, 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we've not, have we not prophesied in your name? In your name cast out devils? And in your name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You don't get saved doing charity work. You get saved and you do charity work because Jesus loves all people. He's concerned about hungry people, sick people. He's concerned about little helpless infants in the wombs of their mother. He's concerned about all of that, all of that. But my dear friend, you can give all your money you've got and all the time you've got to charity, and you will never see Jesus in heaven. It's not about works of righteousness, which we have done. It's by his stripes we are healed. So clear. So clear, so clear. And, folks, never use the sentence, I'm just as good as so-and-so. And he goes to church. 
and he tithes. No, no, no. No, you're just as bad as so-and-so. If you're going to be good as somebody, you got one example, and that's Jesus. Now, if you're as good as him, we can talk. If you can say, preacher, that's ridiculous, it sure is. Because there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It's just Jesus, 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 Jesus. And by the way, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not talking about the fact if you start living right, you're saved. Quite the opposite. By grace are we saved. Through faith. That not of ourselves. It is a gift. It is a gift. Christmas time's a time to give. And God says, I've got my gifts. I will give you the free one. I'm better than Mattress Mac. I'm Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So, why do I believe in the security of the believer? Number one, Jesus is going to have to die again if I can be saved again. If I can be lost and saved, Jesus has to go die again. Let me put it this way. It is, in, it is impossible for you to get saved more times than Jesus died. Does that make sense? See, Jesus shed his blood one time. One time. And he isn't going to shed it anymore. So, in order for me to lose my salvation that came from the blood of Jesus, then he's going to have to come back with some kind of better blood for me to get saved again. He's going to have to come back and die again. He's not going to come back and die again. He's going to come back and rapture those that were saved by his blood the first time he came. By the way, if you're all excited about Israel becoming named the capital by our president, and that shook you up, you might want to go back, and I believe it's Ezekiel about chapter 38, and you can learn a little bit about it. Like Stuart Rothberg, our Jewish preacher on Wednesday night, it's good that Donald Trump and everybody else realize what's been going on for 3,000 years. Just want you to know, since Donald Trump said they're the capital, he didn't make them the capital. They've been the capital ever since, 3,000 years ago, all right? So don't, don't feel like we're rewriting history. But the point I'm trying to make to you is that when Jesus came to the, and died on that hill in Jerusalem and rose from that grave in Jerusalem, it is finished. It is finished. It is for, you're forgiven. It's paid for. You don't have to watch the stock market of the blood. The blood cleanses from all sin. You say, I don't believe that. Well, can I read you from Hebrews chapter 6? Listen carefully. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Well, we have opinions, but we don't know for sure. But I think you'll enjoy this scripture. I know you will if you believe the word. Hebrews 6, 4. For it is impossible. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. That scripture says very clearly that it would be impossible 
for you to be saved and be lost. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing that they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to the open shame. The only way, if they take Jesus and throw out the blood and expect Jesus to come back and shed more blood, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. It's over. It's finished. That's what Jesus says. It is finished. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. The gift is available to all the people in Houston and all the people around the world. No place in Scripture does it say you can be saved doing your part. The only way you can get saved is for God to do his part and you to do your part. God has already done his part. It's finished. Now you got to do your part. Well, I'll think about it. Well, I, I hope God will give you time to think about it. But I'd encourage you to get saved right now. Right now. Salvation is promised by God. This is a biblical fact. That's an eternal gift. It's an eternal gift. When does, it, when does eternal life begin? The moment you get saved. That's when it begins. When will, when will it end? It'll never end. Do you know anywhere in the Bible, for those of you that disagree with this, where anybody got saved twice? You know anybody in the Bible where it was temporary, their salvation was just temporary? I don't. Let me give you two other things and I must close. The Bible says we're secured by God's power. 1 Peter 1, 5, we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. 2 Timothy 1, 12, for I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And remember John 10, 28. No one can take us away from our Father. None are stronger than he. He says, as I read to you, no one will pluck you out of my hand. When you receive Jesus, my final point, you become a child of God. You're adopted. And by the way, if the law hasn't changed, if you're an adopted child, if, you're, if you personally are an adopted child, you can't get unadopted. I mean, your parents are stuck with you. Now, those that have natural children, they can disown them. But the law protects an adopted child. He's, he uses the word, the scripture uses the word, we're adopted. That means nobody can take us out of the home. We're his.